Welcome to followtheboat.com. Tales not just from the high seas. These are the podcast adventures of Liz and Jamie as they travel through the Indian subcontinent. Having stomped around the pink city of Jaipur, it is time to move on to our next destination, Agra, home of the Taj Mahal. This takes us from the state of Rajasthan and into the neighbouring Uttar Pradesh. It's our first train journey in India, something both of us have wanted to do for a long time. Jamie is rather excited. Quarter to five start, and we got a... A Hillman taxi. I've always wanted to go on one of those white Hillmans, classic cars here. Uh, they drive around the important people in the Hillman. And uh, anyway, so we got a lift to Jaipur train station, and this is a first for both Liz and myself. We haven't travelled by train yet. We're going to travel to AC, uh, which I think is a, a standard way of travelling if you have a little bit of money, but not too much. We've just kicked the day off with a, a sweet tea, sweet white tea, which is the standard drink here that people have um, throughout the day a kind of little energy drink sweet white tea so uh, yeah we've just got to wait for our train now of course Liz being Liz made us get up really early because she didn't sleep thinking we were going to miss the train so here we are got three quarters of an hour wait but uh, just soaking up the atmosphere of a typical busy Indian train station past 10 now and we're due to come to our destination shortly which is one stop before uh, the main station uh, the main place in Agra had a nice little sleep in my top bunk uh, right by the aircon though it really is quite chilly the aircon definitely works and not really needed in this climate being north of India this time of year it's uh, it's um it's not particularly hot anyway noticed that the guard had left the door open on this uh, one side and so I'm able just to, to hang out and look at the passing scenery and it, some of it really doesn't look too dissimilar to Europe could almost be anywhere in Europe lots of green fields uh, people working in the fields we've seen uh, guys with their shovels digging away at uh, fields and putting the earth into pickup trucks, uh, paddy fields, women working, uh, drying out cow pats. We've seen lots and lots of cow pats drying out in the sun. Just past a zebra crossing. 
plenty of cattle. There's a mosque. Lots of little townships. Lots and lots of little townships. Back now into the countryside again. But all the fields seem to be tended. There doesn't don't seem to be any wild fields. It's all tended. Laid out into little squares. Cabbage growing in some. Uh, there's a field of uh, what is probably mustard seeds there. Yellow crops. And uh, where there is nothing growing, the soil has been toiled and it's obviously been done by hand. These little patches are too small for a tractor to get round. Well, it seems as if we've come to our destination now. The train's been slowing for the last 10 minutes and it's now crawling along at probably 10 miles an hour. We've just been through rubbish tip after rubbish tip after rubbish tip after toilet after dried cow pat after rubbish tip and that's that's the outskirts of the our station stop let's um hope the appearance improves somewhat anyway train's almost now at a standstill so time to get our stuff together and um conclude our first train journey we settle into our average hotel in the rather grotty town of Agra and make the most of the afternoon by taking a trip to see Agra Fort. Well, here we are in Agra. We are now in our auto rickshaw and we're heading up to Agra Fort, which is obviously the fort of Agra, uh, which is of interest itself, but of course it's partly to do with the view of the Taj Mahal, which we're looking forward to. After that, our driver is then going to take us to a special lookout point about 10 kilometers further on where we actually get to see the Taj Mahal, which I can just see the tip of. Liz is pointing out behind the hedge, and um, we hope to catch uh, the sun setting on the Taj Mahal. We'll go and see the Taj Mahal proper tomorrow, but this evening is just a little introduction to it. And Liz is excitedly pointing at a, a hedge and a brick wall, but somewhere behind that is possibly one of the most recognisable buildings in the whole world. Look down this gap. Okay, I'm going to look down this gap. I saw a water tower. Oh. <laughs> of course, Liz has been here before. She was here 30 years ago. We just passed a, a cow, a dog and two goats all eating their lunch together. And uh, our driver explained that sometimes they have a fight, especially the monkeys and the dogs fight. And we, we asked our driver who wins out of the monkeys or the dogs. And who wins the fight? Monkeys. <laughs> there we go. The monkeys always win the fight. It's mid to late afternoon on our first day in Agra. And we are in the Red Fort, which is really is red. Dark red sandstone, blood red sandstone. Great imposing building opposite to the uh, Taj Mahal. It was built by Shah Jahan's grandfather, Shah Jahan being the guy who built the Taj Mahal. And it was built originally as a fort, as a garrison. And by the time Shah Jahan took over, he spent some of all that money he had on turning it into a palace. So it's got 20 metre high double walls all the way around as a garrison, which apparently also had a moat with crocodiles in it. And once you get through all that, there's going to be 
an actual palace inside. So we're coming into our first building now, which is probably one of the oldest, I should think. Unadorned, but carved. Just red sandstone and huge crisscrossed um, flagstone floors. So through the first building into a courtyard, we're getting used to seeing these in India now, um, with arches all the way round, extremely decorated, highly decorated arches, carved, no painting, all all in um, red sandstone. And this was the uh, Diwan I Am, sounds a bit like Dr. Zeus, but it's probably not pronounced like that, the one Niyam I expect, and it's the um, a public assembly area. And it is stunning, it's beautiful. The courtyard, wide open to the elephants, but all the way around we've got galleries which are lovely and dark and cool and incredibly ornately carved. There's some stairs, we're going to go up them. Damn it, we couldn't get up the stairs, they blocked them off, but as we were looking up at these very ornate columns in the ceiling... Jamie suddenly pointed out that between all the areas that are, that are highly decorated, there are bats hanging down, and there are hundreds of them. Oh, perfect place for a bat during the day, I should think. Lovely and cool. Between the crevices of the carving, there's plenty of room for them to hang there, and the closer you look, they are everywhere. I'm walking around here, they are everywhere. And they're, they're sort of hanging straight down, looking at me, and they all look like they're smiling, but I think they're asleep. must be great to see it when they all come out at night. Little, 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 little Batman. On the other side, there's a, another area where the, uh, it's, it's full of columns where the people would have stayed in waiting to talk to the king. But on this side, you've got highly decorated trellising all the way around. And we've walked up some stairs. And in fact, what it is, it's a narrow corridor all the way around with quite dense terracing at the bottom when I say terracing basically it's cut out sandstone and at the top all the way around there are circles roses again with trellising which are roughly about where my eyes are so I'm presuming that this is where the women who of course are never allowed to be seen anywhere ever um, would have come and watched the proceedings so they could see what was going on and they could have a look at everybody without anyone seeing them getting used to this but it always does provide some really beautiful carving, intricate carving of the, th- of the stone, in this case sandstone. There's a big sign saying, uh, please don't rub the stone, um, which has probably been erected because everywhere we go there are areas where people have carved their names into the stone. Anyway, so people are quite good now and they're not touching the stone, but of course it doesn't say don't piss on the stone. And, and if you go around a corner inadvertently, you might come across the uh, prevalent smell of India male urine anyway we're in Jahangir's palace now and we're starting to move into marble so on the outside it's sandstone but on the inside here we're looking at what remains of the highly decorated rooms uh, which are in in marble and you can just see where their the paintings or I guess inlay perhaps was because now all there is is a little a little tiny remaining shadow of a flower or two on the walls here and I'm wondering actually if they are inlay no they're not inlay they're uh, they're painted the ceiling would have been highly decorated again but now nothing here at all imposing big thick strong building probably just like the man himself 
quick history lesson then. Agra Fort, a UNESCO World Heritage Site, sits around two miles from the Taj Mahal. Humayun, who was the second Mughal Emperor who ruled present-day Afghanistan, Pakistan and parts of northern India from 1530 to 1556, was crowned at Agra Fort in 1530. The original fort actually dates back as far as 1080, but it was Akbar, the third Mughal Emperor, who rescued the fort from ruin and rebuilt it using a labour force of 1.4 million people into what is now recognised as the Red Fort we see today. The most famous event surrounding the fort was the imprisonment of Akbar's grandson, Shah Jahan. It was Jahan who built the Taj Mahal as a mausoleum for his wife, but Shah Jahan's son, Aurangzeb, deposed him as ruler and locked his own father in a tower of the fort. He allowed Jahan some comfort, however. The fort was made of white marble, just like the Taj, and it offered some splendid views of the famous white tomb across the river that divided the two imposing buildings. Shah Jahan spent the rest of his days locked up in the tower, forever looking across the river at his wife's mausoleum until the day he died. We're walking through the stunningly beautiful palace where Shah Jahan lived his final days, and we were going to go into the octagonal room where he was kept, but it's bloody closed. Unfortunately, the octagonal tower where Shah Jahan was imprisoned the last eight years of his life is now off limits to um, visitors. But we can see it very well, and it is stunning. It's covered in inlay, inlay work, um, beautiful flowers, eight sides, five of which face straight out without anything in front of them. Um, it's got to be 15, 20 metres across with columns in the middle, all in marble, very fine marble, all highly decorated mar marble. And for someone to spend the last eight years anywhere, this is not a bad place to be, I've got to say. The floor also is in marble, it's decorated. We've got, we've got octagonal um, tiles, and then between each octagonal tile there's a four-pointed uh, star tile. And I'm just looking up close now at the Petrodura, uh, beautiful colours, the colours have really come out I think it may have been clean since I last saw it because I don't remember it being as clean as this and all fair play I think to India for not letting people go in there because it's so stunning and it, and it would gradually get worn down by all the feet and the rubbing and so it's wide open we can see it really well and it's a really great taster of, of Agra in the middle there was a small fountain and the fountain itself again beautifully carved into very traditional kind of Mughal Persian shapes with flowers inlaid all the way around it trellising all the way around as well as, as there is everywhere highly decorated so Shah Jahan before he was imprisoned ruled the whole area from this, this place here and he lived in exquisite luxury it's very different to the rest of the fort which is all in red sandstone this is beautiful creamy marble more resistant to the elements. You can see where the uh, sandstone started to pit and the huge amount of carving in the sandstone is, is not as good as it used to be anymore. But the marble obviously keeps its look, keeps its sharpness a lot better than the sandstone. Yeah, stunning. We've just been into the room opposite the palace and uh, the octagonal room and there's what looks like a slide down the middle of the wall with inlay again and at the bottom there's a little pool 
and at the front of that there's a hole and what I remember now from last time is that the whole palace was covered in water uh, waterfalls and, and pools and fountains and it flowed through and underneath some of the floors through into other rooms and so it would have been a constant tinkling of water which would have sounded great and also kept them very cool Right, so now we're into the other side of the palace where we see the main entrance, which is absolutely splendid, great high ceilinged meeting place, uh, columns all the way through and cusped archways. This is what I learned yesterday. These are cusped archways and very beautiful they are too and very kind of typical of the Indian architecture, the Mughal, I guess, or yeah, Mughal architecture that we've seen so far in India. This scale of this place is much bigger than where we came through originally. Again, it's in marble and uh, would have been the main entrance to the palace. Well, we've walked all the way around the fort and we're now in the front garden area, courtyard area, in front of the assembly rooms. The assembly rooms I thought that we saw earlier were actually part of uh, Jehangir's palace. So the assembly rooms... Here, where the main gate is, are enormous cusped archways with the double columns, in some case quadruple columns below them. Very, very high, all in white marble and very imposing indeed. The garden is peaceful and it's calm and at this time of the day, which is half past four, it's also quite cool. And as Jamie said, even though there are a lot of people here, you don't really feel that you're crowded at all. It's been a joy to walk round, and it's just how I remember it from 30 years ago. And it's good to see that the most beautiful areas, they're taking a little bit more care over now. You can't just wander over everything anymore. Jamie, what did you think of it? Well, I thought Agra was all about the Taj Mahal, um, but having come to the Agra Fort, I realised that's not the case. This is a magnificent uh, fortification and its grandeur and its uh, solidity is, is very obvious it really is a solid looking fort but amongst all that um, it's not like a like a Moorish fort as you'd expect to see in Europe it is very ornate and obviously has uh, a lot of sort of palatial rooms and uh, ornamentation so it's uh, it's well worth seeing definitely if you're in the area don't uh, don't miss it I like the way they build really quite large courtyards with gardens and fountains and um, waterways in them, just giving the whole area a real space, feel of space and, um, and calm and peace. It must have been beautiful to live here in, in, the, in the day. A lot quieter than it is now. Did you mention what that noise is? It's the parakeets. Hundreds and hundreds of parakeets, green pe- uh, parakeets with red beaks swooping around the gardens. So I'm sitting on the north side of the Yamuna River in a garden which is called the Metab Baj and immediately across from the river is the Taj Mahal. The sun's going down and the Mahal is gradually becoming more and more golden as the sun gets lower in the sky across this river. The riverbank is um, pretty much 
dry as a bone. There's a bit of river running through the middle here. Imagine in the monsoon time it must just completely flood and look amazing. Apparently you can get some great reflections. There are still plenty of people in the Taj Mahal. We can see them milling around. I can hear a faint buzzing of voices across here. We've decided we're going to try and do what everybody does and get to the Taj very, very early to avoid the crowds. But at the moment it's just nothing but peaceful here. We can hear some music in the background. Plenty of birds in the trees here. There's... um. I think there's about 12 other people here, not crowded at all. A very peaceful moment. So I think Liz has already told you we've just now been taken to uh, the other side of the river, on the opposite side of the Taj, for a little sunset lookout. And magnificent it is too. Uh, the sun's getting more and more red. And I thought I would follow another couple of photographers down the barbed wire fence and we found some uh, local ladies balancing uh, blocks of stone on their heads. Uh, tried to get a couple of pictures and they weren't particularly obliging. They did ask for money and unfortunately I left my wallet behind. So anyway, what can I say about this other than it truly is magnificent as you have heard said and seen many, many, many thousands of times over it does not fail to disappoint. And if you thought you were impressed looking at the Taj from across the river, Jamie, wait till next week when we venture inside. Yeah.